It's your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for one more show this week. Good one coming up. Kent Youngblood covers the Gopher Women's Basketball Program for the Star Tribune. will join me here in just a little while. Talk through the Lindsey Whalen um, saga. Eh, maybe saga is too strong of a word. The uh, the parting of ways, which uh, which is growing to be uh, more one-sided as, uh, as the week has gone on. We can now, I think, safely say that that was initiated more by Mark Coyle than it was Lindsey Whalen out after five years as Gophers coach. That happened last week, about a week ago. Kent will help break down kind of the era of Lindsey Whalen, what happened, why she wasn't able to ultimately have the sort of success that would let her keep her job, and what might come next, what kind of coach the Gophers might be looking for next. So look forward to that. Randy Johnson covers Gopher hockey and Gopher football for the Star Tribune. will join me here too. Talk about a big weekend for Gopher hockey and a pro day coming up for the Gophers football team next week ahead of the NFL draft. Got some Vikings stuff at the end too. Not uh, not anything definitive, but man, it was an interesting day on Thursday, so we need to get to a couple of those things as well. First, though, what did I miss? Um, Kirill Kaprizov injured in Wednesday's game in Winnipeg. Awkward hit. And we find out on, uh, interestingly, find out on Thursday, it was like Thursday afternoon at some point, that uh, the Wild released a timeline that uh, that Kirill Kaprizov will be out three to four weeks with uh, a lower body injury. Now, we can't get full transparency. Like I said, they, hockey does this ridiculous, silly thing where they only call something a lower body injury or an upper body injury, but uh, Kaprizov, who is, Sarah McClellan writes, has had a hand in 41% of the team's goals um, out three to four weeks now. That puts him out for most of the rest of the regular season. There's about five weeks until the playoffs start. Wild battling for playoff position um, right in the mix in the West. will be tough to see what they can do. Bigger picture point here is this. It took less than a day for the Wild to give us a timeline of how long Kirill Kaprizov will be out. Now, they're not telling us, like I said, they're not telling us the specifics of the injury. So I get that. And maybe some injuries are easier to diagnose than others in terms of a timeline of recovery. But it's been 102 days since Carl Anthony Towns injured his calf, calf strain. November 28th, it's been 102 days since that happened, and we still do not have a timeline for when Carl Anthony Towns is going to return to the Timberwolves. Um, he got he went through what Coach Chris Finch called live-action work on uh, while the Timberwolves had practice, but he was not practicing full with the team on Thursday. I get that these are moments of progress, um, Finch saying it's not super intense, anything like that. Just more trying to get him comfortable feeling where he is right now in that. But that's still no time frame for his return. Um, a handful of more days before Towns maybe gets even more intense workouts. So maybe kind of sort of getting closer, but it's not imminent. Just reading from Chris Hines' story right now. I mean, again, we've harped on how frustrating this is. I just thought it was interesting to look at the difference between what the Wild did and what the Wolves did. And again, Two different organizations. They can do what they want. At least we know what Towns' injury is. We don't know the exact nature of Kirill Kaprizov's injury, but I don't really care exactly what it is. I want to know when the best player on the team is going to be back. 
And Carl Anthony Towns, certainly one of the best players on the Wolves, if not the best player, certainly the most accomplished player um, on the Wolves, I think, arguably. Rudy Gobert, you know, you can talk about him winning some defensive awards, things like that. But Towns, right there with, you know, right there among certainly the most important players on the Wolves. Kirill Kaprizov, absolutely the most important player on the Wild. We know generally when the Wild expects him back. We have had no idea when the Wolves expect Carl Anthony Towns to be back. And that's frustrating. I get it. That's been frustrating for us. That's been frustrating for fans. That's been frustrating. A lack of knowing this has been frustrating along the way. And maybe it's genuine. Maybe the Wolves just haven't known what to expect, haven't known the nature of this injury. Maybe it's just two different injuries and we have to get over it. I thought it was interesting, though, to reiterate one day versus 102 days, and we have more clarity from the team of one day than the team of 102. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring on Kent Youngblood, Gopher women's basketball writer for the last several years. Um, Kent, it's been a busy time for you. I appreciate you taking some time today. We've had about a week to digest now the news of Lindsey Whalen um, being let go by the Gophers. I think we're going to, if we can parse it anyway, um, this was not Lindsey Whalen's decision. This was essentially coming from Mark Coyle. I think we can probably know that at least to kind of read the tea leaves on that at this point. Uh, after five years as Gopher women's basketball coach, I got a whole bunch of things I want to get to with you. Um, first off, Kent, how are you? You you getting any kind of breather at this point? Well, we're uh, all waiting for the next shoe to drop, but I don't think it's going to drop until a few teams are eliminated from the postseason play. Yeah, I think we'll get to that in a little bit and who might be the next coach of the Gophers and at least what, you know, what qualities that coach might have. Um, Kent, you, I mean, among certainly among the people the start Tribune, but just among, you know, local state national media, you were around this program as much as anyone, what in these last five years just didn't work for Lindsay Whalen? Was it just the challenges of the era? What, what happened that just never quite made this click and, and led to this moment? Well, you know, it's interesting. You you think how many people have gone from high-level playing to coaching and been successful on a, in, in a big kind of stage right away, and people are quick to bring up Don Staley. Um, people forget that she spent her first decade almost in a mid-major conference kind of learning her way. I mean, it was in the Atlantic 10 Conference. It wasn't the Big Ten. Right. Um, I think it's really, really hard for an experienced coach to take over a kind of a traditional mediocre program in a very large conference and bring it to a higher level, uh, much less somebody who's never coached before. And not to give uh, excuses, although I, I, I'm a fan of Lindsey Whalen uh, as a one of the greatest people I've ever covered, but I think it was, I think it was a lot to expect that she would 
hit the ground running as a brand new coach and then be socked with the COVID after one year and and then socked with NIL and all the ramifications of the transfer portal. Uh, I think the I think the Destiny Pitt situation was a huge inflection point in her time here. I think it took all of two years to get over that. And by that time you're three, four years in and clock's ticking. Uh, so I think the circumstances were difficult. Uh, I think that still more wins could have been expected. Uh, but she was making inroads in, in, the, in, in, in recruiting in a state that had never been done really before. And I thought that she probably deserved uh, one more year to coach the freshman who provided about half the scoring for the team this year. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the piece that I was going to ask you about next. Like given those inroads, I know they only went, they went four and 14 in the big 10 this season. They they lost right away in the big 10 tournament. I don't know how much of that factors in. I mean, certainly the winning and losing does matter at a certain level, but you think about, right. A lot of these key freshmen who are, ostensibly staying with the program we can get to that in a minute but just that being maybe the point that was surprising to some and especially maybe some of her some of her peers i mean she was her peers in the big 10 were left to kind of talk about this a lot because the big 10 tournament was going on when this happened and it was happening in minnesota a lot of people asked about it and i know some of the energy i saw in a lot of that was they like Lindsay blaylon as a person they thought the program was making progress so that that to me did seem like a bit of a surprise that if you are going to see this through, and I, I know it's five years is is a significant, decent amount of time, but so many things happened in those five years that one more year seemed like it might have been might have been fair. Was that what you sensed from a lot of her peers talking about it in the Big Ten? Hard to really parse what coaches really think. Sure. When one of their colleagues gets removed from their job and they're right. asked about it, they're never going to say. <laughs> Right. It was probably time, you know. <laughs> true, very true. So um, I think the most valid comment came from Brenda when she said, why'd you have to do it now? Yeah. Why not do it Monday? Right. Uh, I perceive that as a lack of respect and a faux pas on the part of the athletics director, in my own opinion. Uh, but, you know, Big Ten Athletics is a business, not a daycare. No, that is true. And you were there last Thursday with the hastily arranged news conference, and it was said that it was going to be Coyle and Lindsey Whale, and it turns out to be just Coyle. Lindsey tweeting later, she was overcome with emotion. She could just couldn't do it that day. What was it like? What was it like being at that in that moment? That must have been a little bit awkward, a little bit tough how, how did that how did that day transpire for you well in retrospect let's 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 ask this question who decided that Lindsay was supposed to be a part of that press conference i'm sure let's it wasn't i'm guessing it wasn't Lindsay at this point yeah i mean you get you meet with your boss and he says we're going another direction uh oh and come and talk about it with me i don't know Sounds to me like uh, like that probably wasn't her idea. No, doesn't sound like it was her idea to me either. There are certain people among us in the media who rather snarkily pointed out that she didn't come. Maybe she should have come. I don't know. But uh, 
it was an emotional meeting with her team and staff. Uh, I don't know, what do we expect from people in those situations? I mean, if you got called into your editor's office right now and said we were firing you, but let's go do a Zoom, let's go do a, a, a podcast on it. You think you'd want to do that? Not in the least, Kent. Not in the least. Let's not have that happen either. Uh, um, have you? Uh, but I will say that yeah. it is, it is, it is interesting that what she said to her kids were stay. Yeah. Uh, that shows a class. Not a lot of coaches maybe would would show. Uh, a lot of times a coach gets loses the job that they had, and they'd like to see the place burned. Yeah. Lindsay was tweeting congratulations to the men the next day and she was telling her kids to stay and let's give credit where that's due. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that I want to get to that in just a minute. Have you had any communication with her? Do we know if and when she might want to talk more about this? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Uh, for various reasons. Uh, right. No, I have not. Uh, I understand that she would, to, on a vacation to Florida. I don't know if she's home yet. But I would assume that seeing as she's officially still a part of the, at the athletic department, that at some point she'll talk about it. You mentioned she encouraged her players to stay. Three of them you've spoken to, gotten a hold of at least so far. I'm sure there's other decisions to come. But that's a pretty big deal, you know, especially the likes of Mara Braun, who had a very good freshman year, kind of keeping that group intact at least for now uh, seems like a pretty big deal for whoever's going to come in and like you said shows that Lindsay Whalen was still invested in this program even after the fact why do you think those players chose to stay even if Whalen was a big part of why they wanted to come here maybe because she asked them to uh, maybe I think they want to play together I think that has a lot to do with it and yeah they probably wouldn't be playing together if they scattered to the Division one wins. Uh, sure, that has something to do with it. I also think that they're kind of. Uh, I think they're. I think they all kind of have a little bit of an old school to them. This group um, about commitment and sticking with something, and you know, I, that might change. They might hire somebody that these kids can't stand, and there's a mad rush to the transfer portal. But right now. Three of the four freshmen are coming back, and I would assume, I would expect that the fourth would. Uh, but I think everybody's waiting and seeing who they hire. Sophie Hart's a really big what if in this yes. scenario, as is Rose Show, and you don't know what Katie Barovich and uh, Maggie Susano are going to do either. Yeah, that's a good point. Interesting um, that this this roster had no no juniors on it. Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of only seniors and grad students, freshmen and uh, two sophomores. Yeah, so a lot. I mean, a lot potentially coming back, a lot to work with, and that. A couple more things for you, Kent Youngblood. Um, well, one of the things obviously is what comes next, and I think you're right. I mean, the NCAA tournament hasn't even started yet. You would imagine any coach that you would want to hire is in the middle of that right now. So I don't think we're going to know anything here for, I would think, a week or two at least. Um, that said, we've seen lists of who Mark Coyle might be interested in. Maybe, maybe as specific as you want to get, as general as you want to get, what might they be looking for in this next hire? I think it's important to hire somebody 
who has coached successfully, not necessarily at a Power Five conference, but at a Division One conference conference that consistently plays higher level competition. I think they should hire somebody who has recruited extensively in this area and already knows folks in AAU and uh, high school basketball in this state, because I think that it's important to maintain the pipeline that uh, Lindsay kind of helped build. Uh, I see a lot of lists and they, they name some women, some men. I, I, I personally think it would be a difficult sell to hire a man because then you'd have your top three women's sports all coached by men. I just don't think that'd be a good optic. I, no, I think I that'd agree. be a hard sell. Uh, but I'm not Mark Coyle. Uh, I just want, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, you think that this would be a fairly attractive position. I think anytime a big set position opens up, that's a, that's a big deal. There are a lot of those. Um, at least at this point, it looks like a lot of the talent from a, from the team is returning, so there wouldn't be a whole lot of rebuild. I don't know, you know, the class coming in didn't have quite the uh, uh, didn't have quite the cachet that the one before. But there's a couple of players on that team were on that class were pretty good. I hope they stay. But I think the most important thing is is getting somebody who has succeeded at a fairly high level before. Are there? As you look at those lists, are there one or two names that intrigue you more than others? I mean, uh, not even that you think are front runners, but just that, are, that you find personally intriguing as as candidates. Well, some people have the Florida coach on there. She's from Medina, I believe. Okay, uh, but they didn't have the. She signed a pretty big extension, and they didn't have a great season. Um, some people, a lot of people, have mentioned the Marquette coach. Uh, she's recruited in this state quite a lot, and she's been very successful there. Um, in the conference that has, I think they're in the same conference as Villanova and uh, and UConn, if I'm not mistaken, the Big okay. East. Yeah. Um, Northern Illinois coach, some people have mentioned. Um, I'm sure there are a raft of very qualified, high-level assistants at Power High schools that might be interested. I haven't really, really looked at those people all that much. But I don't know. I kind of think they need to get somebody who's been a head coach. That's just my thought. Yeah, it's kind of the rule of opposites in coaching, right? I mean, Lindsay's a total out-of-the-box hire when it happened, you know, almost five years ago. She was still playing with the Lynx when it happened, and, you know, you could just – it was a it was kind of a, a flyer to a certain degree. We didn't know what kind of coach she would be, but she had this kind of pedigree. She had this fire. And like I said, for whatever reason, it didn't translate – it hadn't translated yet to wins on the court um it's kind of me you know i think i've talked about this a couple times i think we've talked about this Royce. like Lindsay whalen has had so much success this must be it goes without saying it's hard when you don't find success at something especially in basketball where she's had so much success do you think that weighed on her over the years just this inability to win games when she's so used to winning games it had to have i can't imagine it didn't uh and this last year, with so much youth and the mistakes, it had to have been a very difficult trying year. I mean, really, the, the season comes down to turnovers, really. They turned the ball over 20 times a game, and the other team scored a lot of points off those turnovers. And when they didn't turn the ball over, they were pretty good. Um, but that's a freshman team, right? We had two yes. freshmen playing point guard. So... 
yeah, I had to, I believe it had to have been taken a toll. Um, I mean, she, she hadn't really been on a losing team since, but once since her freshman year at the University of Minnesota. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that that uh, was where she was for 20 years. And, you know, I don't, this doesn't, I think, you know, people, this is front brain right now. This doesn't detract in any way, obviously, from her playing career just an, an odd chapter it's just it's it's kind of it's just kind of too bad i don't i don't i don't think even if you thought this was the right move at the right time which i'm not even necessarily saying it was um i don't think there's a single person in minnesota who wasn't rooting for lindsey whalen to succeed in this job yeah it's interesting you know she's going to stay on as a special assistant so right. now mark Coyle has two fairly high profile special assistants um my sense is that she and Hugh left under different circumstances, but uh, if you're a coach coming in, yeah, do you want the former coach walking the halls? Depends on how much they're there. I mean, I don't know how much of this is a a title and a formality as much as it is a a real thing. And when what's what's the next chapter for? Her? I mean, she could easily wind up somewhere in the in the program she could wind up somewhere back with the links doing something else i wouldn't surprise me but i don't i don't know exactly how much she'll be there and how much this is kind of entitled only i think the smart coach would embrace her as yeah. an icon of the program and uh use her as a resource and encourage the relationship that she built with the kids that she coached i don't know how many coaches are able to do something like that. We'll see. I think they'll yeah. get a good uh I think they'll get a good uh quality candidate uh if you can hire him. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's been a really interesting story to follow and I'm sure there's obviously more to come with the hire whenever it is made. Please follow Kent's reporting always Star Tribune and startribune.com. Can't appreciate the time and we will talk to you again soon. All right, thanks. Good stuff from Kent. Appreciated those perspectives. Um, different but similar related story. Gophers men's basketball team, their season ends on Thursday. Lost to Maryland as expected in the Big Ten tournament. Got that win over Nebraska. A nice little win in the Big Ten tournament, but anybody thinking they were going to go further just has not watched this team this year. They got to get better guard play. Ben Johnson's got to hit the transfer portal. If they want to have anything resembling a successful season next year, I get it. The development is going to come. They need some time and things like that. They need a couple guards to come in here right away, guys that can play, guys that can initiate offense, guys that can help some of their big men. That will be the key to next season. This one's over, and thankfully so. That's a full day of Gophers coverage on Daily Delivery. You already heard from Kent Youngblood. Here's Randy Johnson. A little gopher hockey talk. Maybe we'll go for football too, Randy, because uh, there's some things percolating with that program. But gopher hockey, men's and women's big games this weekend. I mean, just a game, any game is good for the men, right? They're, they're just kind of itching to get back on the ice, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. They they haven't played in, in a, you know about two weeks now. I mean, they had the bye uh, last week because they won the Big Ten regular season championship. Well, with seven teams, the other six played best of three series. Uh Bob Moscow was left to uh, take his team down to Rochester and play an inner squad uh, game in front of the folks down there to, you know, to just k- try to keep, keep his team sharp. You, you can tell he's really itching to, to get a game in again. It's, it's, it, his team's been playing well. You're playing well. You want to get back on the ice as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, and they do finally Saturday against Michigan State in the semifinals. Um, you know, aside from staying sharp, what what's to be gained at this time of year? Because it feels like they're you know, they've been among the best teams, number one ranking a lot of time this year. What do they want out of this experience? Aside from you know, aside from winning, ideally, but besides that, what what's the goal here? Oh, yeah, winning and health get, get some guys back healthy. You know, get get them back. Uh, they've had a few bumps and bruises, uh, an illness this week. Uh, Brock Faber hasn't practiced is an illness and they've kind of kept him quarantined and we'll see, uh he's not sure Bob Moscow's not sure if, if uh Brock will play well they're hopeful um Ryan Chesley who's missed a couple series because of uh upper body injury it sounds like he's got a chance to play uh Jackson Lacombe uh lower body injury he's uh day-to-day he, he was practicing uh today with the um you know not taking part in, in complete drills but uh on the ice at least uh, so yeah, that it, just sharpening their game, and you know, hey, yeah, you want you want to want to win a, win whatever banner you can. Uh, you know, it's always a good thing to win a conference tournament title, and then if you want to win your conference terms, you got to feel pretty good going into the into the NCAA regionals. Uh, they're the Gophers are pretty much locked in as a number one seed. Yes, seeds. They'll pro. Um, it's pretty good. Pretty good bet that they'll be either the number one or number two seed overall that the, the numbers line up to where they those were the two those are the two seeds that they uh appear to be in line for and that's obviously an evidence of their season so far and so much of that you know fueled by a good roster up and down but that first line my goodness i mean we, we talked about it before on this show but this keep this seems like they keep getting better uh even though they're you know and it, it's late in the year maybe that's that's when they should be peaking but uh uh, that's going to have to carry them at a certain point. They seem like they're up to the task. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Logan Cooley, centering Matthew Nyes, and uh, Jimmy Snuggerud. You, know, you got two uh, first round picks and a and a second. Uh, you know, so a sophomore and two freshmen. And, and what they've been doing is just really just jaw dropping throughout the season. Uh, just an incredible goal uh, they scored uh, basically in, in the last game against Ohio State uh, to go ahead. Uh, Snuggerud does the dirty work in the corner, gets the pass to Nyes, who's coming in tight on on the goal. Uh, behind him, Cooley's open and he's calling for the puck. Nyes drops a, uh, a pass between his legs to Cooley, who scores the game winner. I mean, it was just one of those uh, you, you put put that on a high, highlight reel. Well, and just aside from their individual talent, the chemistry that they developed so quickly has been pretty impressive. Yeah, the, the, uh, what what's helped too is that both uh, Snuggerud and Cooley played together right. in the national team development program in Michigan, so that carried over. Um, sure. Actually, they weren't on this; uh, they weren't all together on the same line after a few games in, in the early part of the season. Uh, um, Moscow put them to, together on that line; it's just taken off. And the, the thing is, too, they're getting a lot of production from their other lines too. They're, the 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 uh, line with uh, Red Pitlick. And Aaron Hugelin, they're they're uh, they're playing pretty well right now. Brody Lamb is, is, has been stepping up lately. Um, uh, it's that he's uh, Moscow's liking what he's seeing out of his young players. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's a really good year for the women's team too. I mean, they're playing in the NCAA quarterfinals. That game also on Saturday. I mean, this is you know when you know the women's team has had it's had a run of several years in a row now where they've been in contention. It's fun to have both programs kind of back into that spot where we were getting into March and we're talking about NCAA tournament and, you know, a lock for a lock for the men and, and the women having, you know, having a chance to compete as well. Yeah. They've been very impressive uh, in that uh, WCHA tournament. 
the final faceoff at Ritter last weekend. Uh, they they beat Wisconsin in the semifinals. Wisconsin had swept them a couple weeks earlier. Then they uh, they beat Ohio State, the number one team in the country and the defending champion um, in, the, in the championship game. Ohio they, they ended up uh, so far they're uh, three one and one against the Buckeyes. Uh, it's been pretty impressive. Uh, there's there's a decent chance they could meet again. Of course, they got to get out of the regional first. Last year, they they were upset by Minnesota Duluth in in the regional, uh, so they they'll want to avoid that, obviously. Um, yeah. Get the Frozen Four, which is up in Duluth this year. That's right. That's right. Well, some incentive there, Randy. Before I let you go, let's talk go for football for a bit. That is your primary beat, especially during the fall and into the winter sometimes. Um, where where do we stand with kind of players coming in, players coming out, transfer portal, but also recruiting at this point? Well, the transfer portal, they've, they've, they've lost a, a few players, uh, a few guys you know, that might be contributing. Uh, uh, basically, Braylon Oliver, linebacker, Donald Willis, linebacker, and, and, a, and a couple D-backs, including Beanie Bishop, who had transferred in, uh, played some, you know, played a, you know, a fair amount last year and probably was going to have, have a, a, a decent role this year. But, you know, sometimes uh, people look, look at the portal and see that uh, grass is greener on the other side, I guess. Uh, so they'll, they'll have to adjust there um recruiting wise they've been doing doing a uh, good job it seems uh for the 2024 class um you know they, they've added a few over over the past couple weeks and uh you know I it's PJ seems to do get a lot of his guys earlier in the year and up, mm. up through June so you know you'll see that class really come coming uh coming into shape um uh, as as the, as the spring goes on and some of the outgoing players, final thought, a pro day, the pro day for um, a lot of these guys coming up next week, next Wednesday. Um, and we see a lot of these same guys we saw at the scouting combine just last week and things like that. But probably, you know, the chance to run and, can, and compete kind of in that isolated environment in front of a lot of scouts is probably sometimes just as important as the as the combine and get a chance to kind of put some good measurables, some good uh, some good times up again in that, and, you know, and, and show them what you can do on the field as well. Yeah, what, what's intriguing in there is you'll see some players that, yeah, they might not be on the the you know say a first or second or third round radar, but work themselves into uh, contention. I think a good candidate there might be Thomas Rush, the defensive end, who's who had who had a pretty decent season, but you know there's room for improvement, and, and I think he could help his draft stock uh, at, at this uh, pro day. Uh, you watched last year, Cole Keith basically um, you know made a, did a very good job at, during the during the pro day, and he ended up getting drafted by the Buccaneers and had a a successful first season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see how that works out for those Gophers NFL hopefuls. Randy, appreciate it as always. Big weekend of hockey. I'm sure you will be there to uh, to chronicle a lot of it and to uh, to write about a lot of it. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. March Madness, eh? Here we go. Thanks, Randy. Good to catch up with Randy. My goodness, this time of year is just uh, just busy, right? I, mean, I was thinking about all the stuff going on with Gophers hockey, of course. You got twins in spring training. You got Viking stuff percolating with, you know, rumors innuendos we'll get to that in a minute wolves and wild in full swing of their seasons and then you minnesota united home opener on saturday against the red bulls um could be snowy again at uh, at allianz they can't seem to get a home opener where it's not some sort of weather event you got that you're contending with the boy state hockey tournament in full effect right now it is a busy 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 time of year i'm sure i'm leaving some stuff out but it is just hitting us all right now. Let's finish with the cooler. Like I said, the Vikings. Two interesting pieces of news on Thursday, even though nothing definitive. One, 
our Ben Gessling tweeting that Vikings and wide receiver Adam Thielen could be parting ways in the next several days, according to Ben's source. They've been working on a restructured deal and will continue to talk, but a release is a real possibility, reading from Ben's tweet. You know, he was on earlier this week. Adam Thielen, certainly one of those candidates we talked about for you know, a cut as they try to work under the salary cap and not have to do it with a Kirk Cousins extension. So watch for that as time goes on. Adam Thielen, obviously a very popular player. We all know his story, working his way up from Mankato, undrafted to be where he is today, but maybe reaching the end of the road. Now, Zadarius Smith, interestingly enough, wants to be released, sent out a thank you to Vikings fans. Ben reported earlier this week he sold his house, or at least he that, that that's the reporting that he sold his house in Minnesota already. Um, but So the Vikings um, may be expected to do that, but as of right now, they've not made any moves on Zadarius Smith. Even Zadarius on social media Thursday said, I just want to say thank you to Skull Nation for an amazing season and experience. Thank you to all my teammates and coaches and the entire Vikings organization. Sounds like he wants his release, but the Vikings at this point are not making any moves. So that is a strange one to watch. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I fully expect Darius Smith to be released too, or at least move on from Minnesota. So we'll see where that's all going. Maybe it's a timing thing, a procedural thing. We will see. But those are the two things that happened on Thursday. Nothing imminent yet, or nothing's happened yet. But both of those guys kind of hanging out there as if that might happen on Friday. So we will watch for that as well. Thank you for joining this show all week. I should mention, if you stuck around to the end, we've got a survey. Um, You'll see it in the show notes. You'll see it on the show page, everything like that. If you take the time to do the survey, I would really appreciate just some questions about this podcast, your listening habits, things like that. If you could fill that out, I'll remind you again a couple times next week. I would sure appreciate it. And please do have a great weekend. Back at it again on Monday.